What's up, NBA fans? Welcome to episode 42 of Full Court Press. We're going to be breaking down a lot of topics, mainly concerning uh, our concerns for Curry, Kyrie, and Kawhi. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Jawan. What's up, Jawan? Hey, what's going on? Ready to talk basketball with you guys. Indeed, sir. And Joel, what's up, man? What is goodies, buddies? <laughs> I like it. Oh, my God. I like it. Do it over. No, nah, man. Hey, you got to keep it fresh, man. You got to keep it fresh. You also got to keep them separated. He, but <laughs> He said goodies, Nick. <laughs> hey, hey, it, it, it's all good with me. Um, guys, we got a lot, a lot to talk about. Um so let's jump right in. We got some some injury news, uh, and that seems to have been a theme all season. Uh, Steve Kerr mm-hmm. said there is no way Steph Curry will play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, of course, we're referring to uh, Curry's MCL injury that he suffered at the uh, head, I guess, of JaVale McGee <laughs> would be the the proper way to phrase it. Um, in the uh, in their win against the Atlanta Hawks, good good on you Hawks, way to tank it. Even though uh, Steph wasn't uh, playing for, you know, uh, the pretty much the second half of that game, uh, good on you. Uh, I'm like can't say the same for the Knicks. Uh, so, Damn it! Uh, so, I'm sorry, Jawan. Um, but anyway, guys, uh, are you concerned? For the Warriors, I want to start with you, Joel, because I feel like you were probably the most outspoken about not being concerned when the kind of slew of injuries hit, because we were all relatively confident that they weren't going to affect them in the playoffs. Now that you hear mm-hmm. Steph Curry may miss the first, it sounds it, from Steve Kerr, it almost sounds like he's like Curry definitely is going to miss the first round and might miss more than that, depending. Um, this same injury uh, last last year um, happened to KD, and I think it took him like six weeks to get back on the court. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, three weeks would be the, 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 the about the start of the playoffs. Um, so I, I think Kerr is like thinking more like a month. Um, are you are you concerned with you know the, Steph Curry's health concerns, um, and are you concerned for for the Warriors now and? You know, uh, do you do you think? Are, are you kind of are you are you jumping bandwagons yet? Are you jumping on the Houston bandwagon? Because cause you were higher on Houston when we went into the season, and I was like, Nah, man, Houston's not gonna do shit. And now, like <laughs> for the past like past like three or four weeks, I've been on that Houston Rockets bandwagon. Like, yo, Houston's gonna win it all. Um, what what are your thoughts on all of that information that I just threw at you? I'm more concerned now that that he might miss the first round. I'm, I'm definitely more concerned that in that regard. I didn't. I thought he'd be here, you know, be back for the playoffs and everything would be all right. Um, so that's why I really wasn't concerned. But if he really does miss the first round, I'm still not confident they're going to lose it because they still got like three all stars. As long as they're healthy, they'll be okay because that's that's the you know the the benefit of having four fucking guys that can put up all star numbers. You right. can have we can go one man down and still not really be at a disadvantage. They have an extreme advantage, and that's that's really what gives them the one up against everybody in the league. Absolutely. Um, but but Steph Curry is one of the, you know the engines that that run that team. Um, so he, he would be missed, definitely missed. 
especially if they go up against a team like I think right now it's the Wolves. I think that they, they, they might play as if, of now. If, yeah, as of right now, that that's that's what it looks like. A healthy T Wolves, like if Jimmy Butler comes back, is is a dangerous team. I mean, I'm still not yeah. confident the T Wolves could take them out, but they're they're a dangerous team, and without Steph Curry, that can probably be a very good matchup in the first round. Again, I'm not still not 100% sure that the Wolves are, are good enough to take them out because there's a lot of really young, non-playoff experienced guys on that roster. Uh, and, that you know, experience does count for something, and I think uh, the Warriors have been through it. Um, so, for me, am I on the Rockets bandwagon? I've always been behind the Rockets. I actually would love to see the Rockets make the Western Conference Finals. I'm not 100% sure that's going to be the case. I still think at the end of the day it might be the Warriors, but I I would more than I would love it more than anything to see the Rockets make it to the Western Conference Finals, mainly just to see someone different. And I think they're the best team in the West, not being the Golden State Warriors at full strength. Yeah, um, I, I, well, and my my thing is I I just love their defense, um, uh, and not to mention yeah. like the the just the goal of Daryl Morey to be like, you know what, we're, we're not just going to play it safe. Like we're going to, we're going to go get Chris Paul, um, make a, make sign a few different people and, and try to compete with this team and, and, you know, whatever way we think we can. Um, and not to mention, uh, you know, Chris Paul's not young. Trevor Reeves is not young. Um, you know, Ryan Anderson's kind of one of those guys who could just go at any minute. Like, if he had a, a rough injury, he could just be done, like, not effective anymore. Um, Eric mm-hmm. Gordon isn't old, but he's not young. Um, so, like, this team, I don't, I, my point is I don't feel like this team has a huge window um, to, you know, to win. Like, they went all in. Like, they were like, we're going to go all in and try to win now. Um, right, and a team that you know has the guts to do that, I, I kind of root for. Like I, like you know, I've never really rooted for Harden in the past. I've never been a huge Harden guy. I always thought, you know, he, 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 yeah. I mean, he's just he, he's one of those kind of guys who, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks or no. maybe last week, <laughs> you know, about him. But yeah, well, just about he's, he's kind of like he takes advantage of the system, you know, like. Um, right, right. And 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 gets those calls and um and he's never played defense and all that you know I've never um and he always he, he in in previous years he turned the ball over like a lot a lot um he's, those numbers are uh, you know way down this this season they're still relatively high but I mean anybody who who possesses the ball as much as him is going to have you know a, a fair amount of turnovers. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I like him. Uh, the, uh, thing that I find interesting, Jawan, is the pace of play difference, uh, when Steph is out there versus when Steph is not out there. Um, you know, you're talking, uh, like a team that has one of the fastest paces in the game when Steph is out there versus, you know, bottom third of the league when he's not out there. Um, and, you know, they're rolling with Livingston at the point and, you know, pretty much running the offense through KD. It's just a lot slower. It's a lot different of an offense. Um, I feel like if, say, they caught a caught a team like Utah um, or even, you know, Joel mentioned the Timberwolves, that could be dangerous, you know, I, especially throughout Utah just because they're a very slow-paced team. So if you're if – you're, you know, if you have to slow down your offense in order to run things through Kevin Durant, 
granted, you still have Kevin Durant, and I understand that. Um, and furthermore, you you know, if you're Utah, you don't have Cephalosha, so, you, you know, you're relying on probably Jay Crowder to guard him. Um, so, you know, I, I understand all that. But just the, the, the Utah's used to playing at that pace, whereas this other mm-hmm. team, you know, albeit the more talented team, is adapting to playing at that pace. Um, does, does any of this concern you for the first round, and are, are you worried any, if it goes any further than that if Curry's not out there? Uh, no, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not concerned uh, for, for the Warriors at all, mainly because I believe last year, uh, in the first round against the Trailblazers, Curry went out. Um, and I'd, I'd even say I feel as though that Trailblazers matchup was a lot harder to get past, especially those first two games uh, where it seemed like the Trailblazers could maybe possibly make it a little difficult for the Warriors. Uh, you know, Nurchik, uh was, wasn't 100%, so that, that was kind of what they were depending on uh, for that playoffs. But um, – no, I'm not concerned, but it does go to what I told you guys two weeks ago, that if I, if I was Golden State in Houston, I wouldn't have played any of my starters the remainder of the season. What am I playing for? Like, I think, we're, I think Houston and Golden State are both ten games above whoever the number three seed is. So it's like, what, do you, what are you playing these guys for? Um, so that really bothered me because it was like when Steph was healthy, you still sit them. Like, you only have a handful of games left. There is just no need to, to put them out there especially when it seems like that ankle or the, his legs and everything just seem like primed for, for targeting, uh, unfortunately, yeah. you know, within the past couple of months. So it's just like, sit him, sit him. Um, but no, if, if Minnesota is who they play in the first round, uh, Kevin Durant is someone that I kept saying I thought was ready to be the, the best player in the world. So if he is going to live up to that, uh, which I know he wants to, then he should be able to take care of Minnesota without uh, Steph Curry. Now, do I think they can easily get past the Rockets uh, without Steph Curry? No. Um, but I do not feel uh, worried at all about Minnesota versus Golden State uh, as long as Durant, uh, Clay, and Draymond are healthy. What if OKC slips to seven? Mm, what if OKC scary. slips to seven? Scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if OKC – say- what if they – what if they draw OKC in the first round and they all have Curry for the entire first round? Then, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you this now. Did you as confident as Steve Kerr was that Curry wouldn't be back in the first round if they played OKC and that series looked like it was going seven games? I guarantee you, Steph would definitely play the last two. Um, but I, I'll say this: if they had to play OKC in the first round, I would still bet my money on Durant. It would probably go seven games, but I still believe Durant is ready to be the best player in the world. So I have all the confidence in him. And looking at the way Melo's been playing, I don't know if Westbrook and Paul George can can go all out in the course of seven games like we know Golden State can uh, between their, you know, their four or three. So I'd still have uh, my, my chips on Golden State in that series. But it would go seven games. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. Um, Joel, uh here's kind of the way I look at it. I look at it like Kevin Durant's definitely the best player on the court, but I think Russ and Paul George would be the second and third best players on the court. Then you got Draymond and Clay as your, you know, you could flip those if you want, but as fourth and fifth. And then Steven Adams is probably your sixth best. Um, And then, you know, you fill in the rest. But I I feel like the, the fact that, you know, 
one team has um, two like uh, two guys that are ultimately uh, equipped on the offensive end. Uh, whereas, you know, obviously Clay is a great shooter, but he doesn't, he's not a great creator. Um, and, you know, if you don't have Steph helping spread out that court and everything, Draymond is a great mm-hmm. facilitator, but he's not a great scorer. Um, you know, whereas Paul mm-hmm. George and Russ can pretty much do everything on offense that you would need them to do. Um, how do you, how do you see that matchup? Do you, like, would you, would you maybe favor OKC or, or would you still think that, you know, Golden State wins it, but, you know, maybe closer or what? Can I take a second real quick to, to shout out Trey Burke, who is uh, trying to single-handedly ruin the tank job the Knicks are doing? Just 36 <laughs> oh, yeah. and 11. That's a, like 36 and 11. God damn it. How good is that man right now? <laughs> um uh, anyway, where were we? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's too bad it didn't all culminate, you know, at, at the right time ugh, for him. My but, uh, but yeah, basically, where were we? Uh, uh, OKC, <laughs> if if Golden State draws OKC in the first round, you know, like what would you would you still favor Golden State in that matchup, or or would you maybe have think you know OKC has a slight edge if you know if they don't have Curry for the whole series. Yeah, I'd probably feel the same, uh, feel like the same as I did with Minnesota. Except OKC is a little scarier. Like I say, like I said, like in the playoffs, I think OKC could be a better team uh, in the playoffs. Right. Possibly, um, they have the talent to do it. It's just Warriors. The Warriors still have three All Stars, and basically the, the Thunder have two and a half. <laughs> that's how yeah, I look at yeah. it. Unless you look at unless you look at Stephen Adams as an all star, which he's borderline. Oh, I, I, I was considering Adams a half. I, I think Mello is a quarter oh, of that oh. at this point. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, but yeah, go you ahead. can look at it that way. You can look at it that way. Uh, I, I won't. I won't argue it. Um, yeah, I, I, that's why they still have the edge. You can't. It's hard. It's hard. The Warriors have been there. They've done that. And they got KD, second best player in the league, in my opinion. Um, it's just I can't I can't give it to OKC yet because it is the Warriors, but I would not sleep on the fucking West, especially Russell Westbrook with motivation to kill that team single handedly. Yeah. Don't sleep on Mr. Triple Double, you know. He's he'll he'll find a way. Yeah. Well, not to mention you're not only playing to kill K D, you're also playing at that point to keep Paul George. Because if you can't beat yeah. the Warriors in the first round and they don't have Steph Curry there is no way yeah, he's really. staying. There is absolutely no way he's staying at that point. So, like, that would be absolutely. added motivation. Now, would Westbrook respond to that pressure? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, he, he's had some, some uh, shaky games in the past when the pressure was on him. Um, but if you look at how he played last year under pressure, he was great. Um, you know, I, I I think it would be interesting. In fact, I hope – that somehow, some way, because the West is is so tight right now, I really hope that somehow OKC falls to the seven seed and we get Golden State and OKC in the first it's round. Tight. I wouldn't uh, sleep if it was the Jazz either, man. Just no, like, like I was saying, man, that pace of play thing, the stat is like crazy to me. Like how you know they're they're basically when when you know they don't have stuff their pace of play slows down to the exact style that the jazz like to play that they like live and breathe to play so like 
and that defense, man, like that defense can lock you up. So um, it's still the biggest thing is like, do you trust Crowder guarding KD? That's the scariest thing. Uh, like, you don't trust anybody uh, guarding KD. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, but I trust Paul Jordan a lot more than I trust Jay Crowder. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you got about true. three extra inches on him, and it's just better. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. long, big. Katie's a mis- he's a mismatch. Yeah, for for pretty much anybody. But like, but yeah, yeah. basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, the only person that I think that like could even come close to shutting him down is is a guy like Giannis if Giannis was just on, on defense. Like, right. somebody who has the same for. amount of length. Yeah, but, like, right. even LeBron, it's like, even LeBron, he's 6'8". KD's, like, basically 7 feet tall. He, he's longer. Yeah. Like, you, you, even you're though they like block to say 6'9", my ass. Yeah, no, he's at least 6'11". Um, no, but, least. yeah, I mean, you're just not going to block his shot. You have to be something like Giannis that's just a freak. Um, right. But, uh, but, but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. We got some more injuries to talk. Um, after undergoing minor knee surgery, uh, Kyrie Irving, he's got a similar timetable to that of Curry. The Celtics obviously are, they tend to be a little more big with, uh, with, you know, their timeline, timetables and things of that nature. Um, but he he's probably going to miss some of the playoffs, and you know, depending on how everything goes, could miss the rest of the season. Um, I don't. I I think that part of the reason they're being so, um, I guess, coy about the the injury um, is is rooted in the fact that because it's you know surgery, it's not just a waiting game. It's you know we got to see how it feels after we play the waiting game, you know, um, whereas, you know, something like, you know, Steph is it's like, yeah, you just got to wait till it heals. Um, so all that being said, how concerned are you, Juwan, for your Boston Celtics? Uh, are you concerned uh, you for them at all? Boston Celtics. Hey, that, <laughs> they might as well be his Boston Celtics. Now, okay, how concerned are you, Juwan, for your boy Kyrie? Um, Thank you. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically, do you think that they could potentially get bounced in the first round uh, without Kyrie? And uh, furthermore, would you would you even risk it at this point? Like, let's assume Hayward isn't going to come back. You've already lost Tice. Uh, which I know is a small cog in that wheel, but still. Uh, Marcus Smart may not come back. Like, would you, at this point, would you even risk Kyrie? Um, but, but let's start with how concerned you are for the Celtics. Um, I'm not concerned. Uh, I'm not concerned. Uh, hashtag uh, Haywatch. Um, but, no, seriously, mm-hmm. um, this Boston, Gordon Hayward. Uh, let's yeah, we got it. We got it. Back. Okay, Joel, so I didn't know if he, if he understood I, it. I was. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Hey, watch. Um, uh, but no, I mean, let, let's not forget what this uh, Boston team looked like without those guys against Washington, who was trying to win that game. Uh, you know, that team just finds ways to win. Uh, you now have Brown back, so he'll he'll add to that. Um, Horford's been playing amazing while Kyrie's been out. He's been playing amazing all year, but uh, especially being a facilitator, 
uh, helping run things while Kyrie's gone. I, I don't think this team would be knocked out in the first round because that's how much I believe in Brad Stevens. Um, but I will say this. Uh, if you're the Celtics and Kyrie can be back, whether it's towards the end of the, the uh, you know, the first round of the playoffs or definitely the second round, yes, I do tell him to come back and play in that second series. I don't sit him the rest of the season if I don't have to. Um, I know the Celtics are a team that's big about the long haul. They, they could care less about right now. They want to make sure that the future is taken care of. And we know that Kyrie is definitely in their future plans. But if I had to say, I'd say, no, I, I'm not, I'm not losing faith on them winning the first round. And no, I'm not concerned about uh, Kyrie's overall injury because from what I'm hearing, it sounds like if they get past the first round, he could be back. So as long as that's the case, um, without Smart, that's going to hurt a lot. That that might be as equal to how much OKC is hurting without um, Robertson. Um, yeah. But if any, if any team can still pull off, uh, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals with less, it would be the Boston Celtics because they're just so well coached. Brad Stevens manages to always put them in situations that are winnable. Um, so I put my faith in that. Shout out to Terry Rozier, uh, MVP Terry Rozier. Terry Terry. Terry Terry. Yeah, man. I mean, he's been terrific. And, and I, I do think you're right. A lot of that is Brad Stevens' system. Um, but I also think a lot of that is just like a guy like Terry coming in and spending that time learning the system, and now he's getting unleashed. You know, it's like he always had to play behind Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley and all these guys, and like so they move they they essentially like get Kyrie Irving in, move off, move off all their other guards except for Marcus Smart. Hayward goes down. And like now that Kyrie's not out, it's like, well, I guess we're, we, you know, we gotta unleash the beast with Scared Terry. And like, it's it, dude, he's sick. It's awesome. Um, and I've been saying it for so damn long. So I'm so glad. I love it when, um, like a player that I, I've, you know, kind of been keeping an eye on, and you know, I have a had a have a lot of hype for when they, you know, kind of kind of live up to whatever expectations I have for them. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I get it. Like I get the lack of concern. I mean, you're probably looking at playing the Bucks right now. I think, um, be probably the Bucks or Miami. Um, I, I don't think another team is gonna slip down to that seven seed. The Wizards right now are only one game up uh, from the Bucks, so that could happen. That could conceivably happen. Um, but I think. I think any one of those teams presents its own set of challenges, none more so than the other. Um, whereas I think in the West, it's 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 a little more up in the air. You know, like depending on who gets that seven seed, I'm a little more scared for Golden State. You know, um, with the Celtics, I feel it doesn't matter who they get. You know, it's it's the equal amount of scariness no matter which which of those three teams they they draw. Um, Joel. Are you at all concerned for the Celtics in the first round due to these injuries? Um, and how do you feel about uh, about Kyrie? Would you take the the kind of cautious approach, being that it's probably going to be very difficult to win a championship this year, um, or even get out of the East for that matter? Um, you know, or, or, or you know, would you be like if you know if Kyrie says he's good to go, 
Um, you know, he's he's maybe got a little bit of swelling, and he's, he feels a little bit of pain, but he's, you know, he's he's willing to go out there and, and, and you know, put his body on the line. If, you know, would you be like, all right, man, well, let's do this? No, I think I feel, I feel fairly similar to Jawan. Like, I'm not that worried about them because I'm not very afraid of the bottom of the East. Not not with them Celtics. That's them, at least they've shown the Celtics. They can run with anybody, even without Kyrie. They they can do it because they're well coached and everybody knows their role and they do what they got to do. Terry Rozier is a scary little motherfucker. He can do his thing. So like you can't you can't you can't sleep on them. You just can't. No matter who's yeah. out there. So even when they're hurt, they're they're still a threat. They're still a good overall team. They don't like depend on just one player to carry them. So that that's really what what where they makes them scary and why I'm not very worried. Um, especially if it's like the Bucks and the Heat. I'll probably be a little more worried if it was a healthy wizard. But that would probably be it without Kyrie. Because the Bucks are still missing a piece, the Heat too. Um, they're good. They're both good. But they're not there yet. And I, even I think uh, Kyrie was uh, probably a little more threatening than those two teams uh, at the moment. Um, so I wouldn't be too afraid for them in the first place. If, if it comes what? No, no, no. I, I was just going to ask you really quickly because you said something that, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I was really confident with Boston because I thought it was going – it was definitely going to be um, uh, the Bucks. But what I just remembered was if it's the Heat in the first round, um, do we mm-hmm. know if Deion Waiters is coming back? Because if he is, no, he's not. my answer. He's not? Okay. I'm sticking with it. Okay, I'm sticking with no, him. Yeah, Wayne, Waiters... Ellington, Wayne Ellington's been balling. He's been playing better this year than Deion Waiters. Um, and Josh Richardson has been balling, too. So. Deion Waiters but, is, you know what's funny? is an you know X-Factor kind of guy. Team? Yeah, I, I get that. He definitely was last year. Um, but what's really funny about the Heat is they've got, like, seven or eight guys who are at any given night can go out and get you 30, but most nights, and when I say most nights, I mean, like, 90% of the time. Like, they'll get you, like, seven. <laughs> you know, like, the, the James Johnson, like, he'll go out and drop, like, 35 points, and then the next two nights he'll combine for, like, you know, 17. It, it, it's it, – they're, they're a very interesting team as far as um, what potential they have versus what – you actually get with that team. Um, but, right. uh, yeah, I mean, I think any of those teams will be interesting. I, I tend to agree with you, though, Joel. Like, the Bucks probably scare me the least, which is crazy to think. Um, I but, know, like, I know. They just haven't been able they to don't tie got it a, together, man. They don't have a they big man, what? yo. They, a no. Big they don't got a you big You know what? They, they need a trade for Whiteside, man, because the Heat don't need him. Heat don't need Whiteside. They, <laughs> got, really. they got Bam out of Iowa. Who makes Whiteside just seem superfluous, uh, and they got uh, Kelly Olynyk to play the stretch big yeah. man role. Um, I, I like I that bio. I do too, dude. I really like. I think if you redraft that draft, he's a top ten draft pick uh, last season. That's good man. Um, I would. Yeah. I would. I tell you this. I would definitely take him over Zach Collins at this point in time. Like Zach Collins may end Me up too. being better, Talk but I definitely. Fun. So far. Yeah, dude, I would 
definitely take out a bio over Zach Collins. Um, and, early. And I, I feel, feel like, too, like Zach that. Collins, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's very early. And, like, you know, it's like the notion that, you know, the, the, the Sixers should have taken Donovan Mitchell, which is very easy to say at this point in time. But, well, you, right. know, uh, you know, if you, if you fast forward five years and maybe Markel Fultz is a fucking MVP candidate. Like, we just don't know, you know. Um, but I, I find it, I, yeah, I, I find it to be unlikely, but he may still have a better career than Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, I, I doubt it, but he might. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, I gotta say, like, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm, I'm a little more worried than both of you guys about both of these teams. Uh, I'm worried for the Celtics because of that knee injury that's been a lingering thing for Kyrie. Um, and I, honestly, man, I would just, I honestly think I would probably be erring on the side of just sitting him. Just sit him, sit Hayward, run with the young guns, get as far as you can, and then, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, Reload I don't want to risk. Yeah, I just don't feel, like, I don't want to risk it, man, because I, I feel like the end game is to win a championship, and I just don't feel like, like I know Brad Stevens is a terrific coach. But if you're Boston, even if you manage to make it out of the East, are you going to be Golden right. State or Houston? No, you're not. Well, you're just not going to beat – you're not going to beat those either one of those two teams in a seven-game series when you don't have Gordon Hayward. Kyrie is dealing with, you know, a knee issue. I mean, maybe he's playing, but he's still dealing with a knee issue. You got Marcus Smart who's got, you know, his own health kind of concerns. Even if he's playing, he's still banged up. Um yeah. And you know, you're just not a complete team yet. You don't like I mean, you don't have a, a a quality reliable center. Um there's just a lot of reasons why I I, I would I would I, I'm not saying I wouldn't bring Kyrie back if he's not 100% healthy. Um or even like 80% healthy and like I, I'm not running the risk of any sort of, you know, um uh well, yeah, I mean, I guess you always run the risk, but no, no insane extra risk or innate risk uh, of him messing up his knee. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't want. I'm gonna err even stronger on the side of caution than, uh, you know, trying to get him out there um, if, if I don't feel like he is close to 100% as he could be. Um, Jawan, you were gonna say something. No, I was just going to say, if I'm Boston, I'm erring on the side of, of caution. That's why I would sit him the entire first round. But if I get to that second round, and I've told you guys this before, this Boston team wakes up when it plays Golden State. And if you're telling me it could be a Golden State uh, squad in the finals against Boston without Curry, yeah, I, I definitely want Kyrie I think if they because that I team, think if they make it that to the finals. Golden and... State so well. Yeah, but I think if, ahead, if they make it to the finals and Steph doesn't, you know, get any, like, tweak his ankle again or anything, he'll be out there. Like, his, his MCL isn't going to keep him out through the finals. I just don't foresee right. that happening. Um, in right. fact, I would I'm say Kyrie's as... injury would keep him out potentially longer than Steph's. Um, I mean, they seem like they're similar timetables. But officially, Steph's going to be reevaluated in three weeks, and officially, Kyrie is out indefinitely. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the like I said, the way I look at it is Boston just plays. Um, I get what you're saying, Nick, but Boston just plays Golden State so well, so well, um, and I would have the the highest confidence, even if I don't have Marcus Smart. You know, again, you know, I'm, I'm not bringing Gordon Hayward back. It's just Kyrie and the guys. I still would want Kyrie if you know if it doesn't you know if the doctors say he can play, I want him to play. Um, and, you know, because, again, if I'm in the finals with Kyrie, I'm feeling really confident about that matchup against anybody. Um, so, you know, it, we have a chance. So, to me, yeah, and I do think Boston would have a chance to uh, to upset, upset sorry, Golden State in the finals if they were to, to get there. So, yeah, I would definitely tell him that, hey, if you can play and doctors say you can play, Let's sit you out this first round, but that second round, let's get you up and going because we need you. Um, and, yeah, you know, and you to, make, to me – go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you make a good point because they're going to need him against Cleveland, and that's who they'd be facing in the second round. Right. You're not, yeah, I mean, yeah. well, mo- most likely. Um, I still think there's a sleeper's chance that the Sixers get the three seed. Um but, yeah, I mean, you're probably going to need him against the Sixers, too. You're definitely going to need him against LeBron to win that series. Um, but I you're agree. probably going to need him against the Sixers. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's just – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't think it's fair to your fan base. Uh, like, if we find out at the end of the year, like Kyrie goes, yeah, you know, I could play, but we just wanted to, you know, just take things, you know, slow and just be really careful. To me, as a fan, that would really piss me off. Like, you could play – and you didn't like I, I don't I don't like things like that. Main reason why I don't like that is and Joel, you can attest to this. Do you remember that year we were feeling really good about Jeremy Lin and we were like maybe we mm-hmm. can make some kind of noise in that in that in that eighth spot against uh, Miami? And then he mm-hmm. goes, I can't play the entire playoffs. And it's like, oh come on, dude. Like we only thought yeah, we had no. a chance because of how well you were playing. So, to me, if, right. if I find out a guy can play and just rather err on the side of caution, that really upsets me. But if he literally can't play and the doctors don't clear him, then, of course, err on the side of safety. But if you can go out there and lace your shoes, I think you owe it to the fan base and your teammates to go out there and ball. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. You know, that, that's that's certainly, um, you know, I like I get where you're coming from and – you know, I guess, you know, my thing is this, is obviously we saw last year Isaiah Thomas could play. He could play. He went out there and he fucking balled. Um, but, you know, something went wrong, and then now look at where he is. And that mm-hmm. kind of shit's just, it's it's disconcerting, man. Like, I would I would learn from the mistake that I made with Isaiah Thomas and say, if, if, I feel if I'm in the same boat as I felt with Isaiah Thomas, that he was going to be good to go and play. If I feel the same way about Kyrie, I ain't taking that risk again. I'm not doing it. because He's a longer prospect right. for you. You can't be risking that shit. Long-term yeah. hurting shit, you can't do that. Right. And so, like, that's where I sit with it. Um, you know, I like, I get I get where, you know, you're coming from, Juwan. Um, it's just you know, I, I would just I would just err on the side of caution. Like I said, for me, it would be like a little bit different if your your whole team was healthy, um, if you actually had a complete team. Um, but you don't. So like, 
you know, sometimes sometimes it's worth it to go for it on fourth and ten, and sometimes you should just punt the ball. Um, so it just depends. It depends. You got to make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. And it, if it is, cool, go ahead. But if it's not, you know, I, I would I would definitely err on the side of caution. Um, but let's move on to something that I'm sure pisses Jawan off. Uh, talking, speaking of uh, players who can play and aren't playing, uh, if you uh, if you believe the hype anyway, uh, the Kawhi saga. Uh, is is been a big deal this year. Um, I would say it ranks up there as like the biggest, uh, like the biggest story of the season, right up there with Martel Fultz. Um, is like just the biggest what the fuck stories. Um, so Leonard, who is set to return two weeks back, still hasn't played. Uh, the Spurs reportedly called a team meeting to address Kawhi and the issue is still unresolved. Um, from various reports, there was talks that the, the meeting was very heated. There's a lot of players on the Spurs team that have denied that. Uh, but, of course, you know, Ginobili came out last week and said, you know, they're moving forward as if, you know, they won't have Kawhi. Um, he said he felt like, you know, they had to, had to sort of go that way because they just don't know. Um, and then they had the team meeting. And most recently... Tony Parker came out and essentially said that uh, he had the same injury as Kawhi, but a hundred times worse. And that is not hyperbole. That is actually what Tony Parker said. He said his injury was a hundred times worse than Kawhi Leonard's. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this? And Joel, and is this like, is this the end of the Kawhi Leonard era? If you could even call it that. I don't know if he's been there long enough that you could call it that, but uh, or is this the, the the end before it begins of the Kawhi Leonard era uh, in San Antonio? I don't know what the fuck this is, honestly. I, I'm kind of annoyed <laughs> with this whole storyline at this point because I don't, I really, because I don't know. I just assume, or I'm just hearing news from here and there, but everyone's like, maybe will he, won't he? And he likes us, but he doesn't like us. And it, it kind of right. feels like it's over. I mean, I don't know what to think. And it's kind of annoying because it's a, I, I don't know. I really don't. And at this point, <laughs> I don't care. And I know the Spurs cannot be liking all the drama surrounding it. Because right. that's not something they – you can hear it in Ginobili's tone of voice. Where he's like, uh, we were okay until you guys brought it up. And then we got all hyped, and then realized we got we we punked ourselves, and he didn't come back. <laughs> and like, so we're gonna stop listening to y'all, and we're gonna kind of do our thing because we can do our thing just fine. And after that, they kind of went on a winning streak, and they've been they've been doing okay, surviving without Kawhi. Um, but I don't know. I don't th- I don't know what to think at this point. I think it is time to move on, but I, I but it's hard to say. But this this whole bullshit, like, I don't know what the fuck his problem is. They won't even tell us what his injury is. So, like, unless he has, like, something broken, I don't understand why he would be out for this long. Like, is it, like, a strained groin? Because I know those groin injuries can linger. But they don't tell it's us just that quad, man. So, yeah, it's the quad. But really, come on, bro. Like, he's been out for, like, ever. <laughs> it feels like forever. Yeah, and everything. Like, I, I think I heard, I, essentially what I heard was, I want to say Tony Parker missed something like 
230-ish days of, of playing basketball because of his injury. Um, and Kawhi has already missed, if not, you know, excluding the nine games that he, like, played, but, you know, limited minutes, and then he removed himself. Um, so excluding those right. games, um, he's missed, like, 160 or 80 games already. So not as much as Tony Parker, but remember, Tony Parker had a complete tear of his quad. Um, right. You know, Kawhi just had a strain. So it's like... You know, that's a big difference. And, like, I, I do think there's a little bit of credence. Like, I think it's definitely hyperbolic for, for Tony Parker to say mine was 100, 100 times worse. But it was definitely worse. Like, make no mistake about it. It was at least twice as bad because it was a complete tear on a guy who's 30-something compared to a strain on a guy who's in his 20s. Like, right. that, that's a that's a considerable difference. Um, but yeah, it is such a weird story. Um, and the fact that it, it keeps rearing its head, like, I, I, the the other thing too, and I'm going to pass it to you real quick, Juwan, but I I do want to ask you this before I do, Joel. Um, you know, we, we all know pop runs a tight ship. Um, and this was a players only meeting, um, I, do you think there's been a lot of people speculating that pops like kind of pulling the strings on the veterans behind the behind the curtain, so to speak, as far as trying mm-hmm. to put pressure on Kawhi to play? Um, mm-hmm. I know you don't like to like speculate on on, on various narratives, but I want to ask you this: Do you think that at least w- would you at least expect that like with something like Tony Parker coming out and and actively talking to the press about how his injury was so much worse than Kawhi's and how he he finds it, you know, weird that he's not, he's not back and playing with the team and they had this team meeting. Wouldn't you at least expect that even these veterans would go to pop and say, Hey, like we want to talk to Kawhi. Like, like we're like, essentially what I'm getting at is don't you think it's equally possible Obviously, I think it's it's Pop knew about the, what was going to be the players only you know meeting, and you know that, that Parker and Ginobili were going to say what they said. Um, but I think it's equally possible that the players actually went to Pop and were like, "Hey, we want to talk to him, dude. Like, like he's our teammate. We deserve to be able to talk to him. Like, we, you know." Like, obviously, you've had your conversations with him and everything. Like, let us talk to him. Let us see if we can we can reach him on a different level. As, you know, mano y mano, uh, peers, comrades, like, um, what, yeah, like, which do you think is kind of more plausible in that scenario, or does it really even matter to you? I get where you're coming from, but it doesn't matter to me. I I had to ask that at the end because I figured I was like it might, but it might not even matter to him whether it's Coach Pop pulling the strings or whether it's the teammates, you know, just you know trying to. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I I don't. It just it does seem like there's more behind the curtain that we don't see, and you can definitely hear it in in with Tony Parker's remarks and Ginobili's and. Um, so there's definitely something there brewing behind the scenes that we can't see because they're very quiet down there. They're probably too quiet for their own good, but 
in some ways probably good for them as well because you can't really make up shit when you don't hear shit. So it's kind of like yeah. a hearsay, and it's just it's annoying for us on the outside, but probably better for them so not all the drama comes out. So just keep it internal as best they could. So on that part, I give them credit. But for that, everything else, it's just been an annoying process to watch from the outside, not knowing what's going on. And it just kind of seems like there is some type of internal drama, um, whether it's popping their best against him and call, pretty much calling him out. And, and Kawhi, because Kawhi doesn't seem like that type of dude. That's what makes it even worse. So it's like he doesn't seem right. like, like that type of guy, and it just makes him look bad. And it, look, it just it's a, it's a weird, it's a very weird situation. It's very hard to explain. It, it, it's frustrating. Yeah. Absolutely. Jawan, what are your thoughts on this shit show? <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> Kawhi can 100% play. Uh, he can 100% play. Uh, it sounds like the reasoning behind why he doesn't want to play is because it seems like, like he doesn't want to play in San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> it seems like he doesn't want to play in San Antonio Preach it, anymore. Brother. Well, Preach. no, it's not even, it's not even uh, necessarily a hot take. From what I was hearing, it sounds like the Spurs doctors cleared him, but his doctors oh, yeah, they did. Are, are, are going along. Right, his doctors are going along with the storyline of, like, he's still not 100%. Yeah, he is, but he just doesn't want to play for the Spurs anymore for whatever the reason is, um, which to what me mean, is fine. Some bullshit. I mean, yeah, no, 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 Joel, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, but I, I think it's at the point to where um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like where, where he's at right now, um, and he feels as though he wants to play somewhere else. And you can tell that that's the case, because when, one, have you heard of a situation like this out of San Antonio? And two, they are the most non-vocal about things internally. Like, usually we find out, like, years later, like, when a player leaves. But for us to know this um, in the moment and for all the players to kind of speak out against Kawhi to where it's like, uh, well, I'm, I, you know, we still have to play our game. doesn't matter if he comes back or not. Like, that's not what you want from your team talking about your star player. So to right. me, he definitely doesn't want to be there. Um, if I'm Pop, the first thing I would do um, right after the season was over, or even let's say the Spurs are out in the second round or first round, right after whenever they're out or the season's over for them, I'm immediately calling uh, other GMs or, or coaches or whatever, and I'm saying, listen, uh, come, come draft night, what would you offer me for Kawhi Leonard? I'm, I'm making those phone calls as soon as possible. This does not seem like something Pop can sit down and talk to Kawhi about. That'll make things better. And we have to pay attention to something really important. Kawhi fired his agent and hired his uncle to replace him as his agent. So yep. you're now not coming from a standpoint of just purely business. You're coming from a standpoint of this is personal. And if Kawhi Family. doesn't want to be there, I do not believe – any amount of money or situation that San Antonio is going to offer him is going to keep him there. So if I'm them, I'm just saying, listen, guys in the locker room, he's not coming back. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a wrap as far as Kawhi for this season. Go and play your hearts out and, you know, uh, do what we do best. Um, but if I'm pop right after the season's over for them, I'm making phone calls, seeing what the best possible thing, uh, you know, what the best possible trades are for Kawhi Leonard. Let me ask you, uh, do you think that, you know, Pop is the one pulling the strings behind the table? Do you think the players just did it on their own, or do you kind of 
maybe subscribe to what my notion is behind it is that, you know, the the, the players have been, you know, just kind of waiting and, and Pop's been talking to him and everything else. And, you know, maybe like Tony Parker and, Mar- uh, and, and Manu Ginobili went to Pop and said, hey, like, we want to talk to him. Like, like we, 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 we're his well, teammates, we're his peers, we think we deserve, like, you know, a, a sit-down with him to figure out, you know, to hear hear it from the, the horse's mouth, so to speak. Like, what the hell's going on? Well, I can see it both ways, mainly because um, about a week or two ago, uh, the players were saying that Kawhi wouldn't wouldn't talk to him, wouldn't tell him what was going on, how you know, how he was coming along in, in his rehab or whatever, like what was right. going on with him. He wouldn't tell them anything. Wasn't practicing with him. Um, Right, wasn't practicing. Still wasn't with practicing. He was practicing with, yeah. Right, he was practicing with his own group of guys. So I could see a situation to where um, uh, Tony Parker and Manu sat down with Pop, and he said, "Listen, if you guys think you can, you know, get through to him, sit him down and talk to him." Or yeah. I believe it was a situation a- after maybe a hard-fought game, you look over and see Kawhi, and you just go, "Yo, it really pisses me off that you're not playing." Like, it really right. does. You need to tell us something. Uh, we're getting ready for the playoffs, and I don't want it to be we, we have this plan set, and now all of a sudden you're fully healthy and you're ready to come back. And now if someone was balling, they lose minutes because you're now back. Like, if I'm their teammates, I need to know things like this because it's just like I would like to know who I'm going into war with. And if you don't think you're, you're built for war, then stay home. Don't, don't even come. Uh, and, you know, you owe us at least that, just telling us, like, hey, guys, I'll be back, or, hey, guys, I'm never coming back. Goodbye. Like, something. You owe us along those lines. So, um, like like I said, I could see it from both points, but if I had to put a finger on something exactly, I'd say it all comes from Pop. I, I'll say everything that they've been doing as far as in the media being as vocal as they are is all coming from Popovich. This seems very Pop Belichick-ish. To where it's like, if I don't feel as though I can get through to my player, I'll make sure I either dirty them in the media so that they have to say something so we can get something, or I'll just right. handle it internally uh, within the players themselves. See, I almost think it's more of a situation of where, like, the players respect Pop so much that they keep their fucking mouth shut. And, and Pop probably was just, like, either the players came to him or Pop went to the players – it's something in that in that vein, and and Pop was just like, "Fine, y'all want to talk, talk." Like, I'm not I'm not gonna say you can't talk about it anymore. Like, I feel like that is more likely than Pop going to like, you know, Ginobili or Parker and saying, "Hey, go ahead and and why don't you drop this number?" And, like, I just don't see that. Like, it, it certainly could be. I, I'm not saying it's an impossibility. I just I, I don't see that coming from Pop. Um, I think it's much more likely that Pop's been protecting Kawhi all season and got tired of doing it and was just like, you know what, like, fine, you know what, you know, Tony, you want to say something? Go ahead, say it. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, come down on you for it. Manu, same deal. Um, and 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 you know, some of these younger players who don't have the clout that they have, you know, are still kind of towing that Spurs line, but not saying anything about Kawhi. Um. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a very interesting development. Um, I also think, just like Joel said, it's it's highly annoying um, because it's so uh, speculatory. Um, and, and also, it's, it's um, 
it's it's drama that you know the Spurs don't want, and I totally agree with you, Juwan. I think I think I don't think Kawhi plays this year, and I don't think he's there next year. Um, I think they trade him. I think Philly could put a package together. I think Boston could put a package together. I think LA could put a package together. We've talked about this before. Um, uh, and, and there may even be some other outliers that could put a package together. I mean, Cleveland could, could potentially, you know, um, I, I don't think their package would be appealing as what any one of those other three teams could put together, but maybe maybe would be the best package that you got out of, you know, those set four teams. Um, but, yeah, it'll be it, it'll be really interesting to follow to see where he ends up next season. Um, and, you know, essentially, like, how that whole situation plays out. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a lot of ins and outs, a lot of what have yous, and uh, pretty much, you know, a, a crazy situation. Um, but let's I have on. one question for you, Nick. Yes. Please. Add one. Add one question before you uh, before you moved on. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you: Should we ask Joel since we were doing the show, uh, just me and you last Thursday, and yeah. you know, obviously we both disagreed on it. Just to ask Joel who he uh, who he would choose, or no, not who he would choose. Who does he think uh, he would put more so in the top five right now uh, between Kawhi and Anthony Davis? Yeah, hundred percent healthy. Yeah, hundred percent healthy. Yeah, when they're hundred percent healthy, who do you have uh, higher on your, you know, top five? Would it be, or you know, on your top list of players, um, Kawhi or AD? Well, I did at one point have Kawhi as a top three player, but because of how much he's annoyed me this past year, I think I'm going to drop him five spots. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> I think I've moved AAD due to avail uh, the best abilities availability. Thank you very much, Kawhi Leonard. That's uh, that's all. <laughs> Day. Well, no, I, can, I, can, I feel you. Can I ask this? If if Kawhi did play this year, um, Joel, uh, would you still uh, take Anthony Davis over Kawhi, or do you feel as though Kawhi was healthy and played this year, he's still top three, and AD would be on the outside looking in? Top three outside looking in? Yeah, w- would Kawhi be in your top three if he played all year this year, or, or would AD be in your top three? Uh, I don't know. It really depends on how he would have played if he actually fucking played. Yeah, let me, let me answer. <laughs> wait, wait. Joel, let me ask that in a different way. Would you, would you, if you're taking how Kawhi was playing at the end of last season before he got hurt last versus year. the mm-hmm. the progression that Anthony Davis has made this year. With, like, which so AD this year more, compared to Kawhi last year. To, yeah, and just throughout his career. Throughout his career. Well, yeah, just like he was at his peak last year, right? Like he was, right, right. you know – uh, top of top of the league for MVP voting and Defensive Player of the Year and all that um, versus you know AD who's at the top of you know MVP voting this year and honestly mm-hmm. probably a top five Defensive Player of the Year candidate as well. I mean, dude's right. like four, four. I think he had like four blocks a game for the for the month of March. So right, right, right. No, I I think I still got. I'm gonna stick with AD. 
I'm going to say AD is a surpassed him at the moment. Um, things can change, obviously, but at the moment, AD has passed him on my uh, top three. How soon we forget. Um, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You don't have to agree with me. No, I'm just saying. I, no, Jawan definitely agrees with you. I, um, I'm just, I'm just annoyed. I just feel like I, you don't understand. Like, no, I, I don't hey, care man, how good he is I anymore. Told, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I feel you. I feel you. I get it. Um, let's move on. Them, uh, 76ers have secured a winning record for the first time in six years. Uh, they are currently in the fourth seed in the East and have the second easiest schedule remaining. Uh, they also won tonight, uh, 123 to 104 against the Denver Nuggets, and it saw the valiant return of the much maligned uh, Martel Fultz. Uh, he played 14 Oops. minutes. He had 10, 10 points, uh, four rebounds, and eight assists. So not bad at all for 14 minutes. Uh, it, it, hey man, it seems like maybe, like I don't want to. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but, like, you get a win, your guy plays 14 minutes, he gets 10 points and 8 assists, 4 boards. Like, that's a, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, but anyway, fellas, 76ers, they've been playing great this year. I think they've surpassed any of our expectations for them, certainly mine. Um, they're competing for a third seed. Uh, I mean, they might be able to get it. Um, the second easiest remaining schedule – uh, what do you think, Jawan, is the ceiling for the Sixers this season? Um, I think the ceiling for the Sixers is the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think this team's fan base looks at what they've done uh, this season, and they're like, all right, you know, we should be happy. You know, not only do you not stuff, but you made the playoffs. Um, but I think once uh, they saw that the Sixers, like, started to look like the real deal. I believe that fan base and that ownership was like, we'll keep it going, you know. <laughs> Our expectations have raised now. It was, you know, B500 maybe. Then it was make the playoffs. Now that you've accomplished those both, keep it going. Um, but I will say they exceeded my expectations. Uh, I thought they'd be uh, a really good team, but not nearly as great as they've as they've been. Um, so if if I'm – if I have to put expectations on them, I'd say that team is built to where it's like, could they beat LeBron? Probably not. But they're built like they can. I mean, when you look at it, you're like, okay, when you look at Cavs, the Cavs team, it's like, well, who's going to stop Embiid? And then everyone's like, well, you just put LeBron on him. Okay, cool. Then who's stopping Simmons? Because right. when he wants to get to the when he wants to get to the hole, no one can stop him. Of course he can't shoot. But I tell you this now, no one gets other players open uh, outside of LeBron as well as Simmons does. So, to me, it's like, who's stopping those two guys? And then if you can have Fultz do a little better than what he did tonight around that, as far as the, <clears throat> excuse me, the points and the assists, uh, yeah, with, with Sarge playing as well as he is, Reddick looking lights out again, um, this team could make Cleveland Marco like, Bellinelli. really, really, really – Bellinelli, absolutely. Yeah. Ilya Tova. I'll tell you this. Ilya Tova played, getting all the old Hawks Sixers, players that they we fucking cut. They couldn't get any goddamn yeah. trade value played, for. If Sixers <laughs> played the Cavs, I would say that would be their hardest series outside of Boston. 
um, in the Eastern yeah. Conference. That'd be their hardest series. Well, uh, and I would, I would even Toronto, but <laughs> I can understand why well, you no, would no, no. say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. This has this is no shot at Toronto at all. It's just we've seen them play LeBron, and they just can't stop LeBron. Um, and I'm not saying the Sixers can, but the Raptors don't have anybody that I look at and I go, all right, night to night, who's going to stop that guy? Because we just yeah, saw DeMar sure. DeRozan have a great game, and they still lost. <laughs> like, yeah. they lost the yeah, lead yeah. and then lost the game. So, you know, sure. it's, it's not me trying to uh, poke fun at them. Uh, but I look at the Sixers, and I'm like, who can stop and beat? Tristan can't. Larry can't. And then if you put LeBron on him, well, who's stopping Simmons? So that, yeah, at the end of the day, that's the, kind the of what is, I look at. No, yeah, no one can stop Embiid. That's that's the answer to your question. Not even LeBron. Like, nobody. He mm-hmm. is, just like we were talking about KD earlier, like, nobody is stopping that guy. You, you're only hoping to slow him down or possibly contain him on any given night. Um it's really a question of can the guys who fill out the two through four contribute enough to push them over the edge? Because Simmons is great um, and Embiid is spectacular. Uh, but no, that's that's high praise though. Like if if Eastern Conference Finals, like that's uh, I mean that would be huge for them. Like the the, the big question coming into the season was can this team make the playoffs? Like and and like if if that is where their ceiling has raised in your opinion, like that is remarkable. Um, and that, I mean, I, I would expect that any Philadelphia 76ers fan would applaud that season. Uh, Joel, what are your, what are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, that notion. They're playing that well. Those players are that good. I think Embiid and, and Simmons, are perennial all-stars in the making. I mean, they are, I mean, they are the future of the East. Um, They're good. They're so good. And they have a good squad around them. And I'm very happy to see Markel Fultz back. He had a good game coming back. Nice to see the kid, the rookie, the first pick in the draft, finally going out there and uh, balling a little bit and getting his – getting his legs warm and, and doing something out there finally because it's just been a joke the last couple of weeks or last month. Um, but, yeah, they do have the talent to get – I don't disagree. I think they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals at, at best if they have the talent to do it. I'm not really that afraid of that many play, uh, teams in front of them. I still probably have them fourth, you know, under Boston and um, Cleveland and Toronto, but – not yeah. by much. I think they have enough there. They have enough depth too to get where they need to get to. Obviously, it's going to come down to experience, and uh, and I think that gets under underplayed and undervalued, especially in the playoffs. And I think that's probably what where the downfall will be at the very end of it. Um, sure. But yeah, they definitely can. They can ball out. They have the they have the tools, man. They they suck for so long. They they are anywhere in this spot. <laughs> This chance, you know. So uh, I'm not yeah, I'm not a Sixers they, fan at all. They you know, they're the right way, man. They, they did, sucked you know, the right like way, and they, they and they they hit the 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 two picks that matter. Because like, see, yeah, yeah, because see, man, that's the thing. That's what's different between say a team like them and Phoenix. Because Phoenix, right. like Phoenix, for all intents and purposes, should be better than the 76ers right now. 
because a so. they hit they hit on the like what number nine pick or number ten pick with Devin Booker. Um, right. He was a later lottery right. pick. He wasn't like, yeah. and they haven't hit on any of their top lottery picks. You know, they they took mm-hmm. Alex Lynn. They uh, they took uh, Marcus Tron Bender. Uh, yeah, Marcus Chris. Uh, I do think I do think Josh Jackson's going to be really good. Um, he's shown yes, he's, over the course of the last like, six weeks. Yeah, he's 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 starting to to you know make that transition. I think Get he's going to be good. Um, but right. yeah, man, Philly Philly like hitting on Simmons and Embiid like that was just that was uh, it almost seems clandestine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say their ceiling is the second round for me. Um, I would be honestly impressed if they just played a close first round series and got and got ousted. And it, it mainly goes back to what uh, Joel you were saying. Um, it's just the lack of experience, the lack of like being there and playing in those games and everything, mm-hmm. and playing in a, a series. Uh, you know, a, meaningful. You know, series. you gotta you yeah. gotta bang and brawl and everything. Like, yeah, yeah like it's get just, tired. You know. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I I do think. I do think there's a distinct possibility I'm wrong, um, but but I would I would venture to say I I would be less surprised if they lost in the first round than you know made it to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, like I I feel like the the second round is about where I think they'll make it. Um, it's it's about what what I would call their ceiling. Uh, now if they they bust through the ceiling like fucking awesome like I, I would love that for them um but mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's that's about where i have them um real quick before we move on um obviously we, we even kind of touched on this earlier about hindsight being 2020 um but i do want to say this because i brought it up to a friend of mine the other day and he was like dude you're so right um i shouldn't have like plugged like tooted my own horn like that before i brought this up but uh, <laughs> but nevertheless um, hindsight being 2020, instead of trading up for Markel Fultz, um, what if the Sixers had like taken their number three overall pick, the Lakers pick this year, the Kings pick next year, whatever other slew of picks they had because they had a sh- had and have a shit ton, um, and then whatever couple players they have that aren't named Embiid and Simmons. I, they could have easily gone out and gotten Jimmy Butler and Paul George with all that, with all that haul. Like, like nobody knew Victor Oladipo was going to be as good as he was. And if you believe the reports, like Paul George would have, they would have traded Paul George for the number four overall pick and taken salary um, in that in that three way trade with the Suns. Um, and you know, furthermore, uh, you know Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I mean they got Zach Levine. He's injury prone and it was coming off an injury. Chris Dunn, you know, was and still is a question mark. And they got the number seven pick, but they had to give up the number sixteen pick uh, in order to make that trade work. Um, dude, I, I, uh, I, I, we'll put it this we'll put it this way. And I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna throw this around as a question unless one of y'all you know kind of you know gets at me before we move on. Um, but I think Brian Colangelo is like the worst GM for a good team out there. He like <laughs> pisses me off so much. Like 
Bring back Sam Hinkie. Fuck Brian Colangelo. Um, mm-hmm. I know Sixers fans out there will, like, agree with me on that. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, Houston Rockets have secured their first 60-win season in franchise history with their win, uh, I think it was last night, against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and it was a blowout, uh, I know, because I watched it, and it was um, – <laughs> You know, bittersweet. I, I like to see us compete, but uh, I, I, I didn't mind the L. Um, I was honestly surprised to hear this was their first 60-win season. I remember the Hawks getting their first 60-win season a couple seasons back and, and, you know, being like, wow, like, that's that's awesome, you know? And, like, when I heard this one, I was like, really? Like, Olajuwon never won 60 games? Like, Olajuwon and Clyde didn't what? win 60 games? Um, or the Missouri yeah, like one of those eras, um, or even like you know way back in the day with like Ralph Sampson and shit. Um, but like mm. no, like <laughs> never done it before. Um, and they're gonna win a lot more than that. Like I mean, they're still eight games, no ten, ten eight to ten. No, I think there's eight games left for them because I think they're sixty and fourteen. Um. So they they could potentially you know go sixty eight and fourteen. Um, what kind of? I mean, obviously this is this is a great Houston team. Where do you stack this in your kind of mindset of you know Houston teams uh, as far as talent based, not as far as achievement because we obviously can't gauge that, but like just as far as like talent. This is, to me, the most talented Houston Rockets team we've ever seen. Um, am I crazy in thinking that, even despite Olajuwon, Joel? Um, or, or do you kind of see where I'm coming from, just as far as, like, the talent that's on the team? Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, whether they win a championship or not, they still got to go through probably, arguably, the most talented roster of all time. I think it's uh... – I mean, I think it's a little – it's hard for me to say they're the most talented team we've ever seen from the Rockets. Um, I know they're 61 says otherwise, but um, shit happens. Like, there are some, just, some years where you're that good. Look at the Warriors. Like, you could argue that they're the best team, like, that Warriors ever seen. Like, that Warriors squad that we've got in the last couple of years is the best Warriors squad there's ever been. Yep. But that's because of – special circumstances. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, this current Rocket squad is really good. I think we've we've noticed that now. We've seen that. Uh, it's yeah. hard for me to, to put them over the squads that we just mentioned earlier, like the Elijah Wan years uh, or the McGrady Yao Ming years. Those were great teams too. Um, but it really, really comes down to what they do in the playoffs. Because yes, their 60 wins is beautiful and whatever else, other wins they end up And they're going to get more, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, it really for them to be that squad that you're talking about, they need to make noise in the playoffs and they need to get far. And at the very least, win a championship to become one of the best squads ever. The Rockets did win yeah. a championship with Eliza one. They haven't won since. They won two. So, yeah, exactly. So they won. Back trust to that. me, I remember. So, uh, I'm just I saying, didn't know if maybe you forgot about the one against the Magic. <laughs> no, I, uh, I try to try to forget most of those years, but um, not <laughs> I mean, that, those specific games. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, it, it's just it's hard for me to say to be that bold about how good they are. They are. They're very good, but to say they're the best, not yet. They got they have they have to prove it in the playoffs before I can say they're that good. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's funny. I I agree with you. It it is all about circumstance. Um, because you got a lot of teams tanking this year. You've got a yeah. lot of the teams in the middle of the pack who have readjusted their kind of one-foot-in, one-foot-out approach, like, say, the Clippers, uh, the Pacers. Uh, you know, there's a few of the teams that kind of make that fit that mold where you've right. elevated a handful of teams to that upper echelon. And so I think wins are kind of easier to come by for this Rockets team than, you know, the Rockets team of the past. Um and it's kind of the same argument or similar argument that I had with, you know, is was that 60-win Hawks team really better than, like, the 1987 or 88? It was, I think it was 87 Hawks um, that played uh, Boston the seven games in the semifinals. And Dominique was just a stud and Doc Rivers was great and Spud Webb was on that team and you know like there was a lot like that was a really great Atlanta Hawks team it's so hard to compare you know season to season but especially when you get when you go generation to generation it's 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 really difficult um different game but uh Juwan yeah yeah but Juwan uh you know what what are your general thoughts on the on the Rockets this year do you do you think uh do you think his team, you know, it stacks up on paper with some of the Rockets teams of the past? And, uh, you know, what, what do you, what would you consider a successful season for them? Do you think it's a championship or bust? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Because you have a team with a guy that we've <laughs> given the MVP to like five months ago. So, yes, yeah. you need to win the championship. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as – I, I would say this team is one of the more talented Rockets teams all the way around. I remember mm-hmm. in those McGrady Yao Ming days, like I think their third best player was like Shane Battier. Um as yeah. far as like consistent uh, good. productivity. No, no, no. It, it's very cover even now. Fucking dookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well very dirty. Um, but that was no that was no uh, slight to Shane Battier. I'm just saying this That's Rockets right. team you got your third best player is Eric Gordon, to which yeah, I would awesome. rather have scoring Clint wise. Yeah. Clint Capella also. Um, yeah. But as far as, like, what do I think this is the best Rockets team? No. Uh, there's a Rockets team that had Olajuwon, who probably had one of the most undefendable moves uh, yeah. in basketball history. So Olajuwon, uh with that team, could easily seven out of seven – uh, times beat this Rockets team. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, but as you far mean as in a seven game series, them, is that is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven yeah. out of seven. Yeah, they would have won seven one out of seven. Game. So you're like seven yeah, times. I just meant 100%. like they, <laughs> No, I, that's what I thought you meant. I just wanted to clarify. No okay. shit. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Um, but no, what do I think of this Rockets team uh, as a whole? Um, I, I don't think much of them as far as the regular season because I don't think we uh, argued that they wouldn't be good during the regular season. I think my argument came because I said they would not win uh, the West because when you need them to come through the most, Chris Paul and James Harden will not in the playoffs because that's what we've seen 
uh, from the, those two individuals uh, come playoff time. Like either Paul's not available or Harden's finding a way to, to disappear. Um, so, you know, that's what I hold them to. So until I see them win the West, I still deem this team as just a team that just had a really good regular season. I mean, I think the comparison I made to you, Nick, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, was um, it's like the Colts. The Colts every year with Peyton Manning looked amazing during the regular season and always found a way to lose come playoffs, even though it looked like they were the best team. Um, So that's kind of what I compare this Rockets team to or any team Mike D'Antoni coaches that looks really good. Um, in the regular season. So until this team gets to the finals, I, I won't even say Western Conference finals. They have to get to the finals for me to deem this season as uh, a huge success uh, for that team. But to me, I just see it as, yeah, you had a really good regular season. Cool. Golden State's had like nine of them in a row. So, you know, congrats <laughs> if you had one. Um, <laughs> let's see if you can Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, I also want to shout out um, – on that uh, on that Rocket squad, Sam Cassell was on that Rocket squad. Robert Ory, Big Shot Bob nice. was on that Rocket squad. Always uh, in the right Maxwell. place at the right time. Vernon Maxwell was on that Rocket squad. Otis Thorpe was on that Rocket squad. And lest we forget, Kenny the Jet Smith was on that Rocket squad. Yes, he was. Uh, that was, yes, he was one of the greatest teams of all time. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. You can't. Yeah, like maybe talent wise this team this team is better just because, you know, the overall pool of talent is better. Um but like I, I yeah. don't think you can you even, even come close to putting this putting them on the scale of greatness. Uh you gotta like Rockets, you gotta go win back to back championships before we put you up on that on that pedestal. Or even one. Um, or even one. Yeah, I mean at least one, right? Like at least one. Um but yeah, like we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, we we got two more towers. We'll probably have time for one. Um, so I'm gonna uh, skip ahead to the Kings. Uh, Sacramento Kings game against the Hawks uh, was delayed last week due to protests for I think it's Stefan Clark might be Stefan. Um, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. My apologies. Um, it was an African American man who was slain by Sacramento police. Uh, essentially, he was chilling in his uh, grandmother's backyard on his cell phone, uh, and Sacramento police came by and shot him 22 times, uh, and they said they thought his cell phone was a gun initially, and then they said they thought it was a crowbar. Like, I don't know how you could mistake a phone for a fucking crowbar. Um, Been a lot of weird uh, ins and outs to this story. Um so there were protests uh, outside the game. Uh, the owner of the Sacramento Kings came out um, at the, after that game and, and, and spoke to uh, to the crowd and essentially, um, you know, was a was a voice of, of trying to bring the community together and, and speaking out uh, against police brutality and, and saying that you know the Sacramento Kings stand with with the community. Um, Furthermore, they recently wore shirts during warm-ups that had Clark's name on the back. And DeMarcus Cousins, of course, used to play for the Sacramento Kings um, and was very involved in the community there, uh, offered to pay for Clark's funeral. Um, It's a a tragic story, obviously. Um, But one I wanted to tackle because of the fact that it's it's so 
it's got so many roots to the NBA right now with all of these different connections um, with, you know, the, the protest at the Kings game, the owner coming out and talking about, uh, you know, uh, addressing the, the protest, DeMarcus Cousins, um, you know, being being tied into the story. Uh, and, and most recently, the, the Kings wearing uh, the man's name on the back of their jersey. Um, first of all, I just want to say props to the Kings and props to DeMarcus Cousins. Um, and props to the owner of the Kings, because um, that's not something you have to do. Uh, I mean, you could, you know, I mean, you could be very James Dolan about it, uh, and you know, just float under the radar and act like you don't know anything that's going on. I only say that because of you know the way that you know they they dismissed um, uh, um, the, shit. What was his name? The how am I forgetting his name? Like the the fucking grittiest, grindiest power forward of all time. What's his name, guys? Oh, oh, Thank you, Charles Oakley. Oakley. Um, yeah, like uh, the the kind of the way Dolan seemed to handle that. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> I, I, like ultimate shout out to these guys. Um, I, like I, I I guess just I'm gonna open this up. Like how however y'all want to talk about this. Um, uh, feel free to to address any aspect of it that you want. Um, Juwan, you first. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I just would also like to uh, congratulate Adam Silver for making uh, the league comfortable enough to uh, address issues like this. Uh, I mean, this yeah. is something that you don't get in football, something that you don't really get in any other sport. Um, he's always, since the day he came in, uh, had his finger on the pulse of what goes on in society. And I feel as though he allows his players to, um, you know, albeit respectfully, uh, stand up for what they believe in. And that's how you get things like uh, exactly what happened. Um, you know, and I, I completely appreciate that. And I think a lot of uh, props needs to go to the organization as a whole. And uh, um, I was going to say Dolan because I was thinking about how much I hate him. Uh, and also to go to Silver um, as well for making this just a very, very, very great uh, community um, for, for players to speak out in. Yeah, and very transparent. And, and I think he he's so much more cognizant of not only, like, the players that, that, you know, he owes a lot to. I mean, obviously, his number one concern has to be the, the owners of the teams. Um, but it's like with Roger Goodell, that's like his only concern. It's like he doesn't give a fuck about the players. It's like what? Can, like let me just let me. And then and then he tries to like shift that a little bit, and then he gets so much pushback from the owners. It's like he he's fucked. He can't win. Um, this is a league that supports its players, um, both on their teams and on uh, on a ownership level. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, the fact that this is such a player-driven league, um, you know, whereas other sports are, are, are more either system-driven or, you know, even even baseball's like it's not as much player-driven. you got, you know, nine players on the field at any, any given time. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think Adam Silver, you know, addresses that beautifully. Uh, Joel, just your kind of general thoughts. You sounded like you, you hadn't really heard the story until I just said it. I heard it. I just didn't know the details. I, I, oh, okay, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really look too much into it. I heard about it, but I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. Uh, I sure. did see what they did. I thought that was very um, very nice of them, very professional. I mean, in, in terms of the way they handle it, I thought that was um, thought was a very good way to handle it. Uh, I even thought the owner handled it well. The league has handled it well. And like you guys are saying, Adam Silver has been a great commissioner. Um, I really like him a lot. Um, he's been he's really good for the league, um, and I think the league is has shown that it, it, it's it's beyond the other leagues in terms of um, how to deal with social issues. Um, yeah. They do it and they do it well. Uh, they don't they don't really there's not a lot of noise about it mostly usually. Um, they they talk to their players. They don't like force most of their players to do anything. It's usually. In unison, there's a good players. Um, uh, what I forget what they call it, but they have a good community there. Um, Report. And yeah. I got to give them credit. For, right, they have a good. They do. They just it's everything they do there is handled well. And they could have. It could have went. It could have entered. It could have went really badly because I remember the reports of them canceling the game because of the protesters outside. And I was like, why was that? Ha-? I didn't know. The, I didn't know the shooting took place in Sacramento. I didn't at first so either. Like, oh. Yeah. I- I, yeah, like, I, I just like, didn't connect the dots. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was completely like, what is going on? Why are they blocking off the Sacramento Kings from playing right. a basketball game? I just didn't understand right. that. Um, after I found out what happened, I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. But still, they handled it well. So I got to give them all the credit in the world. And look, it came, it gone. I mean, the issue is still the issue, but it the sport handled it to, to the point where it was a beginning, it was a middle, and it was an end. And now we can move forward. You see? Yeah, and and I think that's a that's another really good point. Like, we, like, it, not that there should be an end to it as, as far as um, activism from an activist right. stance, but mm-hmm. as far as from like there there shouldn't be a lingering controversy as far as with the league, like there is in the right. NFL. Like you get with, right. you know, it, it, that that's the thing. Like this, like the NFL, the taking the knee thing, shouldn't have even really been a big deal, but it was. It was it really, really such a big deal, yeah. and it was by the NFL. Like you can say it was mm-hmm. the fans. I mean, obviously, you're gonna have a lot more like redneck, fucking, you know, Confederate flag waving, uh, you know, fans I- in the NFL. Than you got in the NBA, like that's just like football, yeah. such a southern ingrained thing. Um, and those Thank are the kind of people yeah, who, yeah. who, yeah, and those those are just the kind of people who are who are going to be easily susceptible to the notion that these people are kneeling because they don't like America, essentially. Well, and it's see, like, well, your... no, they're kneeling because they're being shot. Um, but nevertheless, I. I I completely agree with you. Like the the way that the NBA conducts itself with these matters are unprecedented, and, and no other league a like has these kind of social issues. Because like that's the thing, baseball doesn't really have political and social issues involved in it as it did in the past. Basketball has really taken up that mantle, um, and then you have football that doesn't like support these these types of movements. Um, which, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, but, uh, jo- Joel, you, you wanted to add something? Juwan, or Juwan, I'm not sure. Juwan, Juwan. 
No, I was just I was just gonna go to your uh, your point about uh, you were saying that the uh, it definitely came from the NFL. I was trying to get you while you were in the middle of that, so I didn't kind of loop back around. Um, no, I was gonna say you were uh-huh. completely right. I mean, one player kneeling when most of the times before regular season games they don't even televise the players kneeling all the time. Right. So it definitely wasn't a standpoint of like someone was sitting at home and was like, oh, is he kneeling? Why is he doing that? I have to know. Like, no, the the NFL kind of showed it, and then they brought it up after the game, then on television. But, yeah, I mean, the NFL just handles everything poorly, the whole Ray Rice incident. So NBA has definitely been on, on top of things or, or making sure that they're swept under the rug properly um, so that it doesn't come out as horribly as they do at the NFL. Right. But, no, all jokes right. aside, it, I agree with Joel. Beginning, middle, and end, and it now opens the door for more conversation in politics right. and less in basketball. So it was definitely yeah. really good at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to wrap it up, like, shout-out to the Kings, shout-out to the Kings owner, shout-out to Boogie Cousins uh, for always looking out for the people. Um, and um, just, you know, as far as for for the Clark family, like our our um, thoughts and prayers are with you, and um, mm-hmm. you know we, uh, we we we're we're gonna fight this fight with you um, every step of the way. Um, but anyway, uh, great show, fellas. Uh, Jawan, uh, I know we got a couple interviews coming up. Uh, quickly plug those, please. Um, we do have Chris Williams this Saturday. Uh, me and Joel will be at Awesome Con to conduct a in-person interview with Chris Williams. Uh, stay tuned for the other surprise guests that we will be running into and having interviews with also <laughs> Stephen Amell. Uh, so just stay tuned for things like that. Uh, and that's Cross it. Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you guys as always for joining me and we will be back on Thursday for another episode of Full Court Press. Peace.